It's time to get chiseled with Rob Hamadari. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chiseled. And why do we call it Chiseled? Because we're all a work in progress. My name's Rob Commodore. I'm your host. I'm also the author of Better Than You Think and the recently published book, Next Level Your Life, with 43 other authors. So it's a collaborative effect. But today it's not about me. It's about a dear friend of mine, Cindy Arenstam, all the way from San Diego, California. And today, Cindy is going to share something special with us. She's going to share her passion that she developed at a very early age, and it's developed into a, and a really special charitable project. And before we get into the project, Cindy's going to tell us how, what that passion is and how she got there. So welcome to the show, Cindy. Hey, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And we're excited to have you. So with this passion, and, and it's very rare that somebody develops a passion at a very early age. And first, I want to ask you, what is that passion that you have? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my passion and a lot of people love dogs, but mine is this like passion, obsession, you know, crazy dog lady, uh, just absolutely in love with dogs, all breeds, all dogs. My particular one that I've gravitated to in my adult life are bulldogs, uh, English bulldogs in particular, but I love the Frenchies and, um, you know, but just dogs. And that started way, way, way early on in life. And, uh, you know, earlier than I really remember, but I see photographs and I know, you know, I was about four years old when we had, uh, my parents actually had a Scottish Terrier. They had the dog before my brother and I were even born. And so I grew up, you know, into this, this home with this dog and I just loved the heck out of this dog. And, um, you know, I remember being four years old and throwing the ball with him. We had this like tiny little kind of basketball, but it was like a more of a small inflatable kind of thing. And I remember throwing that in our living room <laughs> to him. And he, I've never had a dog do this since, but he would actually retrieve it and then bring it back. Um, now, I mean, I have bulldogs now. They're just like, you get the ball. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, so I remember that and just, you know, being with him and um, and then, you know, he passed away. And uh, when I was seven, we got another dog we adopted from a shelter. And I remember going to the shelter, finding the dog that we, we wound up bringing home. And then it just I don't know where I got this from at seven years old or, you know, leading up to it. But I had like this doll stroller. And I remember putting the dog, because he was young, and I put him into this stroller, and he just laid there. I covered him with a blanket, and it just became like, he's my baby. He's my, you know, and I never uh, I never actually had that, um, you know, desire to actually have children. It just was not something I ever wanted. And so I don't have any children, but my dogs are my children. There you go. That's awesome to share. And I love that. So at four years old, you're talking about you had your first dog at seven years old. You, you did the little stroller thing with your baby dog in there. And so you have this passion for dogs. And as I've saying before, not many people know at an early age what their passion is. So did you have to connect the dots backwards to see when it started? Or was there a time that clicked off and you said, you know what, this is my purpose. This is my passion. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I, you know, growing up through the years, you know, I mean, I also grew up in New York. So New York is a different mentality than out here in San Diego. And it's a very, you know, work hard, make money, be successful, very, you know, that kind of. And my my thing was go into business. I have to go to business school, you know, and go down that path. And I wound up 
you know, um, at one point, you know, I, I mean, listen, before that, when I was much, much, much younger, I wanted to be a garbage man. <laughs> That's really yeah. what I wanted. I wanted to be a garbage man. Um, I wanted to drive an 18 wheeler truck. I mean, I still do, but at four, only four foot 10, I don't even think I could reach a pedal. <laughs> <laughs> If any of your listeners uh, do have an 18 wheeler and I can put like these big blocks on the pedals and, um, you know, and I can learn to drive it, I would absolutely love to. It's still a bucket list item. But I went through like I wanted to be an optometrist and then I would I wanted to be uh, an advertising executive. And um, you can thank who's the boss for that one, because <laughs> I was growing up in the 80s and, um, you know, that was all over the TV and I wanted to be an ad exec. And I actually did. I went to college for marketing and advertising. And that was, that's where I went. But anytime I saw dogs in my life, you know, just even, I remember being in college and on our campus, you know, anytime somebody had a dog on there, it was just like, you know, hold on, I have to stop talking to you. I need to go talk to this dog. (laughs) And so it was, it wasn't really until I got into real estate where my next career and, um, you know, and then it was like, how can I tie dogs in with real estate? And you know, it it was tough for me in the beginning because I was this perception of who I was supposed to be and, you know, be professional and dogs aren't professional and you're showing up with dog hair on your clothes and like, that's not professional. And, um, and I, but I never truly felt like my authentic self. And so when we got out here to San Diego and I was, you know, looking at it and I was a bit older and now it was like, Hey, you know what, like what really gets me going? What is, what am I passionate about? And it was helping people find their dream home and through selling, you know, helping them find their dream home through selling and buying real estate, but also dogs. And I was always passionate about giving back to the community and doing charitable giving. And so once I tied in the dog piece to my real estate business, one, I just felt like this is, this is me. Uh, This is just, you know, I was more passionate about what I was doing, getting up and going to work every single day. And then I tied, um, you know, the charity piece in because I wanted to be able to give back. And so I donate to Animal Rescue with every home that I sell. And That's so great. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it just kept building. You know? And it's built and it's yeah. built over time. So I'll, I'll say two things. One, when, when like I'm watching Cindy on the screen right now, when we talk about dogs, her face just <laughs> lights up, just lights up. So, you know, there's a passion there. And, and then the, the the second thing I was thinking is like, OK, you you had this passion for dogs and you're working in the real estate. What what is it about the dog, the dog specifically that, that makes you hum in your heart? I just don't know. I think there's just something so special about something about a dog to me that is, you know, they need you. They lean into you. There's a trust. Uh, there's just some connection that I have. I don't know what it is. There's a pull there and I feel it. Um, and the tying it together, you know, I was selling real estate for about 10 years in New York before we moved to San Diego. And I was part of this small like networking type group. And in the group, we were all sitting in the circle and we were trying to help one another. Uh, not everybody was a realtor, but we were just helping each other with our businesses. And I, at the time was you know, into skincare and dogs, of course, and charity and real estate. And I said to them, like, here's what my challenge is. How do I tie it all together? I want to let people know I'm, in, I'm interested in all of these things. And somebody said, you know, when you talked about dogs, so it's funny to hear you just say this, Rob. They go, when you talk about dogs, your entire face just lights up. And they said, you have to tie the dog piece into real estate. And it does go hand in hand because you're helping find homes for people and you're helping the the dogs, you're helping them find a home too. And in that moment, it was like, let's go, let's figure this out. And then then I just started 
kind of marrying the two together. Now at the time, my beloved bulldog, Winston, um, he was sick. And when I went to this conference, um, I didn't know, it was a, it was a very touch and go time. Um, he wound up dying just two days after I got back from the conference. So when I was there, I was figuring out how do I tie in all of this marketing, you know, in this brand, you know, for the, of this bulldog, how do I make this mesh with my real estate business and really help the community by, you know, giving back and donating with every home that's sold, but also, you know, helping bring people together, you know, and help find dogs homes, not just donating through money. And so for every, every house you sell, you give a little piece to charity and to Winston got sick and you created this, uh, this, this project and it's called the Winston project. Yes. <laughs> and can you tell us a little bit about that? I would love to tell you all about it. So yeah. So Winston was my beloved, um, bulldog. We got him. He was only eight weeks old. We got him from a breeder, a very reputable breeder. It was also before we knew about uh, rescuing. And now I would only ever rescue a dog. And in fact, we have two rescue dogs right now. Um, but Winston was, you know, there was something about him also that was super special. And, you know, we had him almost 14 years. He died three weeks before his 14th birthday. And for anybody who knows Bulldog and the breed, you know, their lifespan is only eight to 10 years. Wow. So to have him for as long as we did, I think it's a testament to the love, the care, the connection, and also just the you know, there was just something there. I mean, it, it does happen. I've, I've known of older bulldogs, um, but it doesn't happen all that often. And so what really got me was um, in his last year when he really got injured, uh, what happened was we we had him there. He would, you know, we lived downtown in a high rise uh, in, in Little Italy in San Diego. And, you know, he was starting to have, you know, more challenges, but he would be able to get up and walk and, you know, but he was older. He was almost, you know, he was 13 years old. So, walking a great distance, you know, he really couldn't do. So, um, but sometimes he was a stubborn bulldog, which is who he is. And he just kept walking and he was now six blocks in. And we're like, there's no way he's going to make it back home. And I've heard friends in Manhattan that, you know, have had to call cabs to like put their dog, their bulldogs in because they walk and then they're like, they can't get them home. So <laughs> I've never heard that. That's great. Bulldog, it is a bulldog thing. Look, these guys are like 70 pounds. They're all muscle and you're not getting them back home. I mean, they put the brakes on when they want and they don't want to move. They're, you're not moving them. So uh, we had bought this radio flyer wagon for him that we thought like as he gets older, you know, like he'll go into it. He'll love it because he doesn't have to walk. But he's such an independent guy that he was like, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to walk on my own. So now he's six blocks in. I go home. I get the wagon. I come out. I meet him and Jim. And, you know, we put him in this thing and he's fighting it. So I'm like lifting him up and putting him in. And I have to hold him in the wagon because it's not covered. It doesn't have, you know, zip or anything. And he really is fighting to get this to get out. And I'm like, I'm just trying to save my dog. I don't want him to die, you know, from like <laughs> exhaustion. So we're walking him back. We get almost all the way back to our place. And we there's like a little cutout where the garage opening is. And so we pull over like on the sidewalk and I go to let him out of the wagon and he jumped over my shoulder. Somehow I was when I was bent over, he took this leap and jumped over me. He landed on the sidewalk right on his spine, right on his backside, like boom, bam, right on it. And when, and both of us, Jim and I were like, oh, there was this gasp of like, oh my God. And he got up and, but right after he got up, he started doing this weird walk. We could see it like in his hind legs. 
And we weren't sure, like, we just didn't think the spine, we thought maybe the hips, that's because a lot of these dogs have hip issues. And so we, you know, brought him back upstairs and kept an eye on him and he seemed okay. And he went to sleep and he was fine. And then later on that day, he was, you could just tell, like it was, that was the deterioration of whatever injury he had. And we had to now figure it out. So we took him to the vet for x-rays. He went to an acupuncturist. We went to um, a place that does rehabilitation here in San Diego. They do um, acupuncture and rehab. They have an underwater treadmill that they put dogs in to walk because the water allows them to, um, to walk a lot easier. It doesn't, you know, it takes away a lot of the weight. And so um, we had him in there. They have an agility course because uh, all of that is supposed to build up the strength. The actual acupuncture is supposed to help with whatever pain he was in. And then all of the other stuff we were doing was to help build up the muscle because he was starting to atrophy. And so what happened was he was improving and they kept track of it and they would tell us how many minutes he was doing in the tank. And, you know, he was doing great with this and I was right there with him. And all of a sudden one week he started to like, he wasn't able to go past, like he was at seven minutes and he couldn't go past it. He actually slipped back to four minutes and you could see he was struggling and I didn't want to push him. So I said, okay, let's stop here. And the week after when I had him back, we were still at like four minutes, maybe three and a half. And I'm like, all right, talk to the vet. Something's going on. He shouldn't be going in reverse. And she said, you know what? He, um, we looked at the x-rays. We had compared x-rays that they had done and there was something about his spleen that she didn't like. And she said, you know what? go get an ultrasound of his abdomen. Let's go check that out and see if something's going on with one of his organs. And she said, you know what, while you're there, just have his chest done, you know, let them do the heart, they'll do the chest. He's already shaved, like, just let them look at it. And both of us are like thinking nothing of it. This dog is fine. And, you know, okay, we'll go do this. So we do it. Um, they, you know, we're at the ultrasound place. They come back and they tell us, you know, they come, we're in the waiting room and she comes out and she says, Hey, great news. You know, we looked at his abdomen, his spleen does look a little something there, you know, but it looks benign, you know, we're just going to keep an eye on it, but it looks okay. They're still in the back. They're doing his chest right now. So now like Jim and I are like kind of high-fiving, hugging, excited, like, Oh, we're in the clear. Everything's fine because we were here for the spleen, not for anything else. And so now when they come back outside, they motion like with the hand motion, like come into this side room and we're like, oh, crap. And so that was it. Like we got in there and it was all downhill. It was he had um, they said they had he had a tumor on his heart valve. He had um, it was fluid around his heart. Um, He was actually we didn't learn this right then and there. But afterwards, um, he was in kidney failure. So it was a blessing that we learned all of this stuff. Uh, it was just a shock because now we were able to go to work to take care of him. Now, if we hadn't learned it, but, and we kept pushing him in that underwater treadmill, yeah. he would have, he would have drowned. Like he would have just choked to death. He would have had a heart attack. He could have gone into cardiac arrest. I mean, we would have pushed him too much. And so now we were able to figure out, okay, what's needed. Um, we found a cardiologist here uh, at UC Davis. And I, at the time, had no clue. I was like, wow, they, they make dog cardiologists? Like, that's a thing? <laughs> like, it, just, it, it just didn't even occur to me, right? Yeah. And so, um, so we got in with them, and that team was incredible. And our goal was to make sure that he was living a quality, a good quality of life, as pain-free as possible, and that we weren't pushing him or ending his life too soon or too late. That was the biggest thing. We didn't want to, you know, make him suffer. I mean, we were in pain. It was killing us and our hearts were broken, but we didn't want to make him suffer. 
And at the same time, we don't want to take his life if he still had a good quality of life. He was eating, he was drinking, he was happy to be around us, you know, um, as happy as a bulldog can be. (laughs) We still took him. So then at this point, instead of a radio flyer, we actually bought a stroller. They make these dog strollers that have a big covering, an easy way for him to get into the backside of it. He just took one little step up and he was in and we closed that (laughs) as a zipper. It had little mesh so he could see. So now I'm walking him through the streets of downtown San Diego, pushing the 70 pound bulldog in a stroller. And it just was, you know, he was happy. He was in there. We put, you know, cushion down blankets and he was happy. And, um, and I didn't realize, so it just advanced the story a little bit, you know, that one last year of all of the things we were doing and I'm taking pictures and I'm posting them on social media. And I was mainly doing it for me. I didn't realize the impact he was having on others. And I didn't realize it until after he had passed and the comments that I received, the messages, the calls, the texts, um, gifts i had no idea that gifts were a thing like i always sent sympathy cards but the gifts that we received from people it was just incredible the outpouring of support you know that people uh, had provided and um at that point i had realized okay this dog not just made an impact in my life on so many other lives and leading up to it as i was working on building in this dog you know bulldog brand into what i do every day and help people with real estate I didn't want him to die. And that was the end of it. I wanted to create this legacy. And I had gone through after he passed, um, you know, I was in a deep depression for three solid months. And the crazy part of it is I had no idea I was even in depression. I just didn't know. And I just was like a zombie walking through, like trying to get through the day. I was hysterical, like pretty much all day, every day, uh, crying hard, like bawling, crying hard. To the point where Jim just, he he's like, I just don't even know what to do. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I don't even know what's wrong. Like, I don't know. And I was getting ready to like go to a therapist and, you know, work through it because there was obviously, there was something very deep here. You know, um, it felt like it was something much more than losing, you know, my beloved dog. Right. And so all of the stuff that I had gone through um, and I realized I was like, wow, like I, that was growing through grief. I grew through grief. And then I turned his loss into a legacy. And that's where Winston Project has come from because I wanted to I wanted to continue being able to help other dogs. And what happened was that three month period, there were plenty of other dogs that needed fostering, needed homes. And I just was like, I couldn't even look at another dog. I mean, yeah. I was that much of a mess. And, um, and we live downtown, we live in a high rise, there are dogs everywhere. And I love dogs so much. And here I was, walking behind Jim, like I was having him protect me. I wanted, I couldn't even look at another dog. If there was a dog in the elevator, when it opened, I waited for the next one. And so three months go by and just something clicked with me. It was actually a talk with a friend of mine, uh, who, who kind of was like, you know, put it into perspective. And and I realized, you know what, Winston wouldn't have liked this. He wouldn't want to see me this upset. I'm not helping any other dogs by staying in this state of mind, you know, this, just this way. And so um, it kind of just snapped me out of it. And I was looking on one of the rescue sites and I saw this bulldog. And what got me was not so much the dog, it was the wording. And it said that he is still in a shelter. And I thought like that, it says he's three or three and a half years old. How can this dog still be in a shelter? And how long is still, right? Like how long has he been there? And, um, And so I just reached out to them and was like, you know, tell me the story and, you know, 
I'd foster him. I'm not ready to have a dog. I definitely don't want him, but I want him. He can't live in his, in a shelter. He was starting to get depressed. And so I'm like, this dog needs to come, you know, and at least he'll have a safe home until we can find him his forever right. home. And, um, and that's how, that's how Harry came to be. Uh, he was named St. Nick at the time. And so, <laughs> you know, we bring, we bring St. Nick, you know, back to our home. And I was calling myself lady because I'm like, I'm not mom. You're not, you know, like, I was Winston's mom. I'm not your mom. Yeah. And, and Jim, I was like, I called him man. <laughs> and so like, I was really trying to keep my emotions and that was more to protect me. Right. Yeah. And so I was trying to keep that separated. And, um, you know, we had him two weeks and I was doing like a write up for the rescue. They asked, you know, do a write up, tell us how he is around other people and young kids and other animals. And they said, we have a couple of families that are interested in him. And when I heard that, it was that piece of this connection to a dog that got me. And I thought, and now I didn't know who these families were. I just heard these, there are a couple of families that are interested in adopting him. And I thought, you know what? We've learned now he's been in two shelters in his three, three and a half years of life, which is a lot of shelters in a very little, you know, young period of time. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I heard the word family and I thought, He's going to need medical stuff. It's going to get costly. They're going to have kids. I don't know if the kids are going to, you know, mesh well with him. And, you know, they're going to like this dog's going to get returned to a shelter. And I couldn't let that happen. And I said, he's not going anywhere. And I said to Jim, I go, I can't, I can't get rid of this dog. Yeah. Now Jim knew all along that this dog was never leaving. <laughs> he knew, but you didn't know yet. Right. Everybody in my circle, probably including you, Rob, everybody knew this dog wasn't going anywhere. But I was protecting myself so much that I believed, I truly believed this, we are fostering. And yeah. so we foster failed. And I am very happy to say that I failed at that. I'm totally good with acknowledging that. <laughs> but we gave him this incredible life and he's still here. And, you know, it's been three and a half years, I guess, that we've had Harry now. And, uh, you know, he's he's had his challenges. He's had his medical issues. He's had his behavioral stuff. But that's what we're here for. And I'm so glad that, we're with him and that, you know, we're able to do what we're doing to make that's, his life the best that's life. That's great. So, so what specifically is the project that we, so you, what you just explained is how you led up to it. So what yeah. is the project? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in, so in June, I actually had created this mini documentary uh, and it's a 19 minute film and I wanted to share what I learned. And like I stated before, growing through grief and turning loss into legacy, I learned an awful lot. And I wanted to share that with people because Anybody who has lost a pet or has a pet, you're going to go through this. And oh, yeah. grief happens at all different stages, all different times. And you don't just get through grief and go, hey, I did the five steps of grief and I'm good now. <laughs> like, no, it, it recycles itself and you just don't know when. And so I wanted to share that message. So I created this mini documentary film where I shared the story. I explained what I learned, the stuff that... Um, you know, I wish somebody had said to me and, and shared with us, you know, because I think it would have helped. And I wanted to put that down on a film. And so I did a premiere event and I did it as a fundraiser figuring, you know what, I want to be able to give back to Animal Rescue. And so let's do it as a fundraiser event. Did it at a small movie theater, about 45 people. That was it. Um, and we raised $7,000 Wow! just from that event. And then it clicked and it was like, wow, there's obvious. So there were even people who... Um, you know, couldn't attend and they wanted to. So they supported, they either bought a ticket anyway, uh, said to donate it to someone else, or they just sent in a donation. You know, they wanted to help in some way. And I thought, wow, there's 
there's definitely an interest here and there's a need for it. And so um, I was able to connect with a lot of great people and I went, all right, if we were able to do this really small event, I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I created it. And I really did this mini doc, you know, for myself. <laughs> and so if that's the case, what could we do if we created an organization? And that's where the idea came from. So Winston Project is now very excited to announce we are officially a 501c3 organization. That's incredible. And I know I'm so excited. And so what we're going to do is the fundraising for the shelters and the rescue groups here in San Diego. So the shelters and rescues are out in the field. They're rescuing these animals. They're saving them. Dogs are chained up to fences. Um, you know, people are just, there's horrible people out there doing these God awful things to these dogs. Um, and so they're out there every day in the field saving these dogs and they need money to do so. They're, you know, and they don't always have the time or the manpower or the resources to do these fundraisers. So I don't have the heart. Like if I see a dog that is chained up, I'm going to go rescue that dog. I can't do it every single day that I just yeah. don't have inside of me, but I have a business sense. I have no problem using my connections in my business world to ask anybody for a donation because I know it's going to help the animals. So yeah. I figured if we can work on being their fundraising arm, these rescues, the dog rescues and these shelters can reach out to us, seek out grants through us, like put in a grant request. Um, here's how much money we need because we're going to spay and neuter X number of dogs. And then as a board, we determine, okay, that's going to help the dogs. Is that enough money? Do you need a different vet? Maybe like there's different ways to vet it out and see, um, you know, make sure that the money is going, the majority of it is going to help the animals. And mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, so we've created this board. Now we have volunteers and uh, we're working on kicking off, you know, what the plan is for our very first event. And so it's in the very, very early stages, but this year, 2023, we're going to have our first event, our big fundraiser. And um, my goal is $50,000 for this year. That is the, you know, our kickoff goal. Well, and I think you'll get that. You'll get it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, I believe it too. And I, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power that I can, because I know that it's going to go to such a good cause. It's going to help these, these rescues to be able to go out and save even more animals because we're taking the piece away from them. One that they're not very good at. They don't, a lot of them are just, you know, they're in the field for a reason and they aren't great at asking people for money. They would just rather go help the dogs and they don't help the animals. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great partnership and something that's very needed here in San Diego. And already I've met a couple of different foundations who are doing, you know, incredible work and different types of uh, charity building. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a really good community when you talk with dog people the hearts, you know, the hearts are there and that yeah. is part. It's, you know, well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the hearts, the hearts being there. Like I could, I can with, empathize with a lot. You said already today, we, we had a dog that we lost back in October. We had for 13 years and we got him from a breeder. And before that we had another dog, we had a wine around that lasted seven years and he got hurt and his life started to deteriorate. So there were two dogs we got from a breeder. But as I share with you just recently, we, we rescued a dog and we're, we're in Baltimore and my son was down to Texas Tech and he finds his stray dog two weeks after we lose our dog. And he wanted to keep the dog. I told him, no, you're in school. You're traveling back and forth. That's not going to happen. And then we went and visited him. And he goes, can we go visit the shelter? And we go visit the shelter. And as you said, I mean, he's just oh, got hundreds of dogs in these shelters. And you just mm -hmm. my heart started feeling feeling 
bad for these dogs. Needless to say, they told us they transport to Baltimore, New York. We're like, this isn't going to happen. We're not, we're not buying in all this. Next thing you know, two weeks later, we have this dog transported from Lubbock, Texas to Baltimore. And we have this dog that we absolutely are in love with. And I don't know what it is, Cindy. I don't know what it is, but I feel like when you get it, when I can only share my experience, I had a dog from the breeder and he was my dog. He was my buddy. My wife got her second dog. It was her dog, her buddy. And there's a love there, but I just feel, I just feel a different, different connection with a rescue dog because it's like, we don't know. We have no idea mm-hmm. what his first nine or 10 months were. And then, and now as the, cause you told me about this three, three, three thing. And I let you explain that in a minute, but like, it's been two and a half, three months now and he's really taken to us and he's just a really cool dog. And, and it's not just about dogs. It's about really any pet, any, any passion that you have, that you have this, you just get this feeling for. And, and I kudos to you for, for taking this passion of you, yours and tying it into real estate. Thank you. Yeah. And there is something special about rescues and a connection. And so we have two rescues now because um, my goal with Harry was to, um, you know, I wanted to give him time and I wanted to give him like a year was my goal, a year that we can just love on him, spoil him and just give him the best life. And we almost made it to a year. We got seven months and I saw a photo of now Olive. That's our, our other bulldog. Um, we were at a fundraiser event and I saw, you know, for, for dogs, of course. And I saw a photo <laughs> of her and they told me she's coming into the rescue. Like she'll be here tomorrow. Um, and I'm like, I need that dog. That's my dog. That's my girl dog. And so um, I met, and, you know, and, and so we went, we filled out the application and went through the whole process and it just, we were able to take her home and it was incredible. And um And so what you're sharing, that story that, you know, there's a different love, there is. And I believe rescue dogs, there's like a sense of gratitude that they have. There's just like the kisses I get from Harry, especially when we first brought him in, especially as a foster. Um, Like when he would kiss my face, it was like hard. Like he was pushing into like, he was so thankful. And then like, if I go away and come back and it's been like a few days or a week, I get that same type of kiss. Like, thank God you're back. (laughs) So there is definitely something, you know, there's something there. And then I think the empathy piece that you mentioned of, we don't know really their story. They can't tell us. We can piece it together. Sometimes the rescues know. Sometimes there's owner surrender where an owner actually says, I can no longer take care of my dog. And they'll bring, they will surrender their pet to, you know, relinquish it. And they'll bring it to a shelter and, um, you know, sometimes they'll say, they'll share the story. Other times they're embarrassed. And so they just drop the dog outside with like its food bowl and a blanket mm-hmm. and they leave it overnight and the shelter opens up the next morning and they come in there to a dog. And so it happens more often than you would even imagine. Uh, but yeah. there is something special there, uh, you know, a connection that these dogs, you know, they're, they're incredible. I would never at this point, I mean, I will never get a dog from a breeder again. I've been shown the light. I've, I've seen Gray. <laughs> I loved Winston with all of my heart. I still do. I talk to him every single day. I wear this necklace with him on it of him when he was a puppy. This is him. Like he is a part of my world every single day. I say his name, especially now working with the Winston Project. And, uh, but I got to tell you, seeing how many dogs are out there, and these are good dogs that have just gone through some really bad stuff and going through with Winston, you know, and watching him age and go through that. Now, look, I said, I'm from New York. You guys hear me. I'm talking fast. I work with my hands. Like I'm fast moving. My brain works fast. Everything I do is quick, 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 quick. 
Winston taught me patience. He taught me to slow down. I had client appointments, but Winston didn't, he was not getting up. He needed, I know he needed to go outside and go to the bathroom and I could not get him to get up. And so I'm not going to force this dog who's now 13 years old and in pain to, you know, to go so that I can get to my appointment. And it, uh, it had me just talking to my clients and being completely upfront and being open and vulnerable and telling them here's what's going on. It had me slowing myself down because when I had my list of like, here's all my items I need to do today, this is my goal, you know, and I got to reach these goals. I have a business coach who's going to be checking in with me. Um, I needed to find different ways to do it. And so um, one of the things with Winston, he would, his bed was in our bedroom on the side of our bed on, on the floor. And that was where he liked to be, but he didn't like to be alone. And he, um, at this point, he had lost his hearing. He could still see us completely, but he lost his hearing. And he would bark, just bark, you know, like, because he didn't know where he was. And he just was like, where are you? And so he just needed to know I was there. So my coach had said, look, you're in the bedroom. If you need to make phone calls, you do it from the bed because you're sitting right next to him. Yeah. And that's what you do. You make it happen. Because I was getting worked up going, well, I have calls I need to make. I have to go up and make these phone calls. She's like, you do it. You do it from your home and you do it while you're sitting right next to him because he needs you. And then because he was deaf, when he would fall asleep, I could just roll outside of the bed and go on the other side and I could leave. He didn't know. And he was fine because he was, he just needed that comfort. And that became, it was my awareness of I'm here for him. He needs me. He needs me more now in his older years than ever before. And so that's why it truly breaks my heart when I see senior dogs who get turned in because the, the owners are just like, one, one, we wanted a puppy. And two, like, you know, oh, I, I can't take care of an old dog. So wow. it happens more times than you think. So Winston Project, uh, you know, is, is, you know, came out from everything I learned from him. And I hope to share with as many people as I can and make it, make an impact. And, you know, maybe one day Winston project can be, you know, sprinkled throughout the country and other people can, you know, can start their own organization of something that's meaningful to them. That's amazing. And, and thank you for doing that and getting that started. Cause I, I believe that if, if that's what you believe is going to happen, it will happen. So I got to ask you, obviously we're in this chiseled podcast and it's about you becoming who you're supposed to be. Where do you, and you might have alluded to it already. How do you think God's worked into this equation? Mm. I, <laughs> there's, um, I think that we're guided. I think that just as there's only so much that we can control. Now I'm not, I'm more spiritual than I am religious. And I've always just been that way. Now I'll share this story with you. And I think that there's, like I said, there's just stuff that we can control and other things that we can't. Um, it was two, it was two days after Winston had died. And like I said, I was a wreck. I couldn't. And Jim and I started going for walks. We just would get out of the house. We needed to get away and just walk. So every single day we were walking and, but I was hiding behind him. Now for two solid days, couldn't look at him, just couldn't even look at a dog. All of a sudden, two days in, we're walking and I see like half a block away, this dog, it was a golden retriever coming towards us. There was just something in this dog's face. I'm going to tear up. There's something in this dog's face. It kind of had like a little bit of gray around his, you know, his like beard area and his eyes. There was something soulful in his eyes. And as the dog is walking towards us, I said to Jim, 
because I want to be respectful of him too. I mean, I've been a disaster and he was looking like he kept it together. But I said, are you okay? I want to, I want to say hi to that dog. And he goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I, there's some, I, want, I need to say hello to this dog. And now at this point, the dog is like right in front of us. And I said to the guy, I said, excuse me. I said, do you mind if I say hi to your dog? And he says, yes. And as I'm bending down, Rob, I'm bending down to say hi to him. And he goes, the guy goes, this is Winston. No way. No way. <laughs> and instantly, like I'm smiling now through tears. This is exactly what happened. I was smiling and tearful at the same time. It was, now it was a golden retriever. But right. like, what kind of golden retriever is named Winston? <laughs> it's a very yeah. English name, right? So for a bulldog, <laughs> now it's very common. Uh, and why is this the first dog in two full days that I, I mean, I forget about looking at because I wasn't able to even look at a dog. Now I want to pet this dog. And now you're telling me the dog's name is Winston. And right there, I felt like, and why was there a connection? I mean, we just had walked past however many other dogs and I didn't feel that need to want to talk with them. There was something from that moment. I'm like, that was a sign from Winston. Wow. So I do believe there's a higher power. I feel there are things that are out of control. I feel that we are guided for sure. And I feel that um, my purpose here, my vessel, and this was another big thing that I learned when I was looking at Winston, we were with him. We had the vet come to our home when we decided this is it. And when he took his last breaths, you know, like they give the two shots and like the first shot, he, he lets out the snore. And I'm like, <laughs> like I smiled through that too. Cause I'm like, that's Winston. Like he was just a big bulldog snoring yeah. guy. And so, um, you know, he, he did that. And then when he took his last breath and I was still holding him because I felt that he was still here, even though his heart had stopped, he was, he was gone, but it felt like he was still with me. I felt him. But then all of a sudden, I don't know how many moments, minutes, because everything's a blur. I don't know the timing of it, but I truly felt he's not here. I felt like his spirit was gone. Like his body was a vessel. And for the first time I ever felt that, and I went, wow, like, so our bodies are vessels. What is our purpose? Why am I here? My purpose is to serve. How am I doing that? I serve my clients through real estate. I serve my animals, like with everything I have inside of me, I take the best care of them. I serve the community through different charitable events, not just with dogs, but other, you know, cancer is a big thing for me. I, I work with that too. So I just want to be able to give back, you know, kids who are in need. I, I help out with that. So I'm like, I looked at it and I'm going, yeah, you know what? So you asked about God, you know, what, whoever your audience is, whatever, you know, you believe in. I just, I, I feel that there's a higher power that's guiding us. Um, you know, Winston, I feel is my, he's my, he's my angel now. He's my, you know, there you go. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And the, 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 the last question I got to ask, it's a question I ask everybody is uh, how much more chisel do you think you got going on in your life? Oh my goodness. Oh, plenty. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm just getting started. Uh, you know, I love that your podcast is named chisel because all of us have so much work and I feel that I will never be done. You yeah. know, I've got ideas. I have things that I want to keep uh, bringing to the world and to the community. But the more people I meet, the more ideas I get. And, yeah. you know, and this is constantly evolving. I mean, when we moved here, I never thought that this would 
be, I, I didn't think I'd be making a documentary sitting here on the <laughs> podcast with you, hopefully impacting your audience and however many people we can, you know, having these goals to raise millions of dollars to help save, you know, my ultimate goal is to have shelters completely emptied, no dog ever, or cat ever is without a home, no, mm. no animals are ever abused, abandoned. Um, I, I've been following this story from way back in June, um, Unfortunately, uh, in Memphis, there was this guy who set a dog on fire intentionally, and it was his dog. And I'm like, you know, like you're an animal, you're a disgusting human being. And, um, you know, this dog was seen by neighbors running up the street full of flames. So all the neighbors are out there with their hoses, like garden hoses, just trying to put this dog, you know. Uh, and so I followed this dog's story through social media and I sent money to them. And, you know, they had, oh God, countless surgeries. The dog, thank God, is totally fine now. It was Pitbull. She never stopped wagging her tail. Like mm. this dog is incredible. Trusting of the staff that was working with her had burns on over 90% of her body, four degree burns, like super painful. But is trusting those who are caring for her, humans, when a human is the one who did this to her. When you look at that, I, I just can't, I can't think of another creature that would be that forgiving, that loving. You know, you hear like unconditional love with, yeah. with pets, right? with animals. Yeah, there's something special there. And I feel like, you know, not everybody is like that. Not every human is like that. Um, you know, thank God he's in jail and he's been in jail this whole time. But you know, like there, my goal is that the shelters are cleared. Every dog always has a home and that animal abusers get their, get what is coming to them and that there's an end to it. I would love to see an end to any type of animal abuse anywhere. Um, and also some, one of the things like multi-layer with Winston project right now, we're looking to just raise funds. We need yeah. to raise funds so that we can help these shelters and groups. Ultimately, I would love to do spay neuter programs, another line of education so that there's that educational piece. Teach kids, this is how you're supposed to treat animals. This is not how you're supposed to treat them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, all different, you know, pet therapy programs because animals make a huge difference in, in somebody's life, especially when they're going through a hard time. Well, you're making a big difference in their lives and it's just awesome for you to share this. And I hope everybody can hear her energy and and, and see her smile uh, on Spotify to, to know how much that, that she's impacted by the animals and how much the animals are impacting her. So it's a two way street and, uh, and the whole unconditional love piece is amazing, too. So I, I one of the messages I want people to get out of this. We all had different purposes and passions and you found yours through through your dog. And it'd be great for other people to really think and reflect and, and, and know what their person, uh, purpose and passion is too. Because some of us, we grow older and we don't either know what the purpose or passion is or we don't go after it because we're afraid of what others think. And I love the way you put your foot, you put a stake in the ground and you say, this is what I'm going after and this is what I'm going to represent. And, and this is what I want to, what I want to do to serve, not just people, but animals and, and, the, and the society as a whole. So, Man, Sydney, thank you so much for sharing all that. If people wanted to get a hold of you about the about the Winston Project, how would they get a hold of you? So I made it super simple. So go to winstonproject.org. You can go to Winston Project on Facebook or Winston Project on Instagram. And if you wanted to find me, I also made it simple. I am the Bulldog Realtor. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a bulldog. 
She's I'm a bulldog. A bulldog. Right? I'm a bulldog. A bulldog. So, uh, double entendre there. Uh, yes, I will take care of you and your real estate needs and go to bat for you. And I will be that bulldog negotiator. I've got New York behind me. So you are that strong <laughs> negotiator. I get my clients what they deserve. And um, and then I go to bat hard for these dogs. That is that is my true passion. Man, thank you so much for sharing your heart, sharing your smile, sharing your energy. You've blessed me. You blessed everybody that's listening today. And I couldn't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate you and everything you're doing with this podcast to help as many people as possible. So thank you. I I appreciate that. And thank you. So until next time, everybody, let's go get chiseled. You just got chiseled with Rob Pomodoro. Sure to like this podcast, share it with your friends, and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Also, you can find Rob's book on Amazon, Better Than Equal.